0: To market talk with uh, Mike and Greg. It's a brand new uh, kind of format that we're gonna we're gonna go after now. Um, kind of just talking. We're we're done with the. I guess we're done with the question and answer. We're still gonna talk markets, but you know, kind of infuse a little more of our uh, of our own personalities and maybe some of our own interests. You know, we do we do have interests outside of uh, what happens on the charts and all that stuff. So. You know, well, maybe we'll we'll get into a few of that. Yeah. If some of them, yeah, some of them do still have to do with the markets, like corn and whiskey. <laughs> so, right, you know, we enjoy a good uh, a good Angel's Envy once in a while, right? Yeah, once in a week. <laughs> now is that a bottle? <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. I figured. So, uh, I mean, really, let's talk because it's been a couple of weeks since we've actually. Done one of these things, and I mean the markets kind of just feel meh. I I'm not excited about them. I still think I'm bullish. I, I mean, you I see I read your emails all the time, and you're just like, oh, this changed to a bearish stance, or this is now signaling that we need to get out of a of a of a bullish stance. And I think, from my perspective, everything kind of just looks bullish. Now, there is some sideways motion to it, but if I start talking to, you know, if I start talking to all the, the fundamentals, right now all the fundamentals to me are bullish. Am I wrong? I think it's not so much are the fundamentals bullish,
1: but are they bullish from here? Are they bullish enough that with corn within striking distance of all-time highs, are they more bullish are they gaining traction?
0: Well, I, okay, so you know, um, I guess maybe a moderate change in in prices from where we're at. Because it's, I mean, t- uh, to be honest with with prices at you know seven fifty for new crop corn and and eight dollars, eight fifteen or whatever it is for old crop corn and and beans, doing whatever they're doing, um, continuing to to work their way back towards that. What was it february twenty fourth high whenever the the war broke out um to me it's it's you look at it and everything's bullish. I don't know what to what to put on the top of it. We've never seen so many things that stack up friendly like this. We've talked about this before i mean it's there's the potential for running out of Bullishness to to carry the market. Everybody steps back because the funds are the ones that are running it. The volume sucks, right? I mean, what what are we going to do with with it when the funds decide to take profit? I probably still have customers that are buying it. I probably still want to buy it. Even every every dip is going to be a buying opportunity until it's not, right?
1: Yeah, and it. It really seems like we're just kind of getting to that point of when it's not. Because you do have, I mean, Ukraine, which we originally thought nothing was going to get planted. Okay, now we're planting some stuff. Mm -hmm. South America has some increased production ideas. And now we're going back into, well, maybe it's a drought, maybe it's not. You have China that's locked down, and you got a lot of logistics that are starting to get crammed up Yeah, the same
0: things that ran us up in the first place. With the supply crunch, the supply chain issues, drought, too wet, too cold, too hot, too dry. They still are there.
1: Right, but they're not getting worse. And the logistics, logistics side of things more so bearish than would be bullish. If we're jamming up all the ships over in China, that means we could see a slowdown in exports here especially if we need to start seeing some of these other goods start to make their way in the country, what is getting catching the bid for what is being transported?
0: But wouldn't, I mean, okay, I, I take your meaning on that, but what, wouldn't this just be a continuation of what we've already seen with supply issues, supply chain issues, where it just continues to drive prices up because you can't get the, the goods that you've been wanting? I mean, that seems to me, if you look at the the, sh- the logjam of of ships that are outside of sh- Shanghai or outside of Chinese ports, it's ridiculous right now. Well, isn't that, I mean, it's the same kind of idea that we're running into with, or, or that's being run into in Argentina and Brazil. Isn't that something that could continue to press markets higher? Or is it? Or is are we doing enough with the inflation and increasing uh, increasing rates to to start to combat that?
1: I think it more so has to do with the macro picture of if these things keep getting jammed up, and you have the financials that are already set back decently well from their highs, and you have all these earning reports that are starting to come back and. Some of them aren't as well as expected. But you get to a point where at what point is it too late for those goods to come in? Okay. I needed it back then. Now I don't need it, and now I'm out of business. Now I couldn't meet my demand, and people started going elsewhere. And, and we have commodity prices, raw materials, everything at these all-time highs, and I can't afford a bunch of stuff. I need to tighten back my pocketbooks, and now I don't have a job, and now I have to pay just for – normal goods a increased expense in order to pay for them and we have energy prices that are at multi-year a decade high or wherever Mm -hmm. that it's sitting at so I think more so the threat of recession is a big one to be watching for because like you just talked about with the funds at what point do they pull their money off the table and say good enough is enough, and I need to be looking at if I need to build a short position or if I need to place money elsewhere, or whatever it may be. But at what point do we find that ultimate top? And tops don't come when things start becoming extremely bearish. It's when we have still have everything that's all bullish, but mm-hmm. nothing's getting
0: more bullish. Okay. All right. Um, and I will grant you, I mean, we've talked – Numerous times about the recession, I I might even go a step further and say depression is going to be the next big phase of the economy. I mean, it's it, it, we're set up that way. Now we've we've talked about this before with the you know the the potential for this to not be as bad as we think it could be from a recessionary standpoint, or even even a depression standpoint is mainly because everybody else in the world is dealing with it. But that was kind of the similar situation in 2008. I mean, the Lehman Brothers thing almost broke the world economy. That we could be we could be looking at something similar. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be one group that does it, but yeah, I I think there's a lot of
1: cuz you have the long-term debt cycles. You have everything to be looking at there, mm-hmm. but on top of it you have a very similar type of market activity when it comes to stocks and when it comes to how easily people could borrow very low interest rate money and then use it to get into the stock market to say, you know what, I'm not getting paid a lot of my job. Let me flip over and start day trading. Let me just keep buying it because you just have to keep buying it. And a lot of general public entrance with all these discount brokerage uh, apps and everything to be able to play it all, at what point do interest rates start rising, which they are, sure. people have to pay those interest payments and not have to take their money off the table, and or they just get absolutely creamed in the market. And then on top of getting creamed in the market, they have to go and still pay those interest payments. Sure. So uh, there's just a lot of similarities, because back in the roaring 20s, you had people with just taking out loans and buying and at that point it was leveraged positions which equally screwed up the whole uh thing once it started to collapse but Mm -hmm. you got all these very similar activities setting up
0: okay all right well let's shift gears a little bit let's talk a little bit about this new kind of more laid-back format of this podcast um I think one of the one of my favorite parts about this, and it obviously it hasn't changed much. We're still going to talk markets and all that stuff. Maybe we talk a little bit about some of the things we do enjoy outside of the markets. But uh, I think one of my favorite parts is the new graphic that we have, that we've been putting out. Um, inspired by Letterkenny, a show that you and I are huge fans of. I think I've watched every episode, every season, at least two to three times at this point so um if anybody uh if anybody recognizes that that's uh, that's where that came from it was uh, inspired by letter kenny uh how excited are you about the the brand new show that they're releasing in may shorzy
1: it seems like it's going to be fantastic <laughs> <laughs> so, I am definitely looking forward to that. and if we do have listeners out there, which I'm sure we do that watch the show and recognize it, it's really it's what I appreciate about them.
0: It really is it is absolutely. I mean it's you know we we told told uh, Zach kind of some of the things we were we were thinking about, and you know he figured it out. If, if, is what it says? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, I am I am deeply excited about this uh, new Shoresy show. I'm hoping that we are not done with uh, with the, with Letterkenny uh, yet, and I'm hoping there's at least one or two more seasons. What are we up to? Season nine now? So I don't know. Last time they piled a couple seasons together, so I don't really yeah. know what season we're on. I mean, COVID kind of took a hit on that one, but. Uh, Uh, Hopefully that's uh, that's the case. But, uh, um, you know, I mean, that's what I think our our whole our whole idea on this thing is to to kind of just have some have some fun, maybe find some other things that we can talk about in between, because I'll be honest, I mean, sometimes it sucks to just come in here and talk about China or talk about how, you know, the markets are just going sideways or how the volume sucks or whatever. Be nice to be able to to have a chit chat about uh, some of our
1: favorite things. Well, I thought it was pretty nice that the market took a break when we took a break. Yeah, nothing has changed since we were off. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, what, when the last time we talked was was that right before the uh, USDA report? I think so. Yeah. So I mean, literally nothing changed, and I don't think anything is going to change necessarily until we get to I don't know, we get new crop numbers in May. Maybe that changes, but, you know, if you can't plant, even though I don't believe in this, I (laughs) I will say this, planting delays are not a thing, and this is going to sound weird the way I say it, but planting delays are not a thing until they are a thing. Does that make sense?
1: So you're saying, like, in 2019 when we had planting delays and then we got everything planted and we had a trendline yield, (laughs) it started to, like, tamper back some people's worry about planting delays
0: yeah i mean the uh, the i i understand you know coming from a farm background i understand that if we don't get it done the first possible day that we can and that seems to be pushing the envelope nowadays if if the the first planting or early planting date is april 10th we're in april 5th or if it's the 14th we're in on the 10th or whatever it is Honest, honestly, from what we've seen, it doesn't make a huge difference. You know, obviously, that changes if you get to June and you haven't planted corn yet. It changes if you get to June 15th and you haven't planted any beans yet. But, I mean, to be here, what, April 20th and to be wanting to rally on on planting delays because let's face it we're only 4% planted on corn and what two 2% planted on beans or something like that 1% I thought we were at 2% on corn 2% last week uh, 4% this week they were looking for 6 okay i was so i was right earlier but i was confused cuz i must have looked at last week's yeah and beans are beans are like 1 or 2% planted which i mean for april you know whatever that day was april 17th as far as the usda's number i mean i understand everybody wants it to be a thing i don't think it's a thing until much later no and especially when you get a window to open we all know
1: how quickly those planches get rolling
0: mm-hmm.
1: you guys don't sleep for a week two weeks straight and you get everything on the ground and we're always so surprised how fast it gets in the ground yeah
0: well depending on the size of our operation i mean you could you could be done in four days you could be done in seven days you just need that window to do it and now granted 2009 2019 we had something ridiculous like 11 million acres of prevent plant for corn so that's probably not going to happen this year but you know there were there were quite a few customers that i had that either didn't plant or were delayed because of all the all the rain they had but we still had a heck of a crop that year Mm -hmm. and and i know everybody's going to go back and say oh the usda was wrong and USDA is is more of a, a guidance at this point. They are not the authority on what we plant, how we plant it, when it gets planted, or how much actually gets harvested. It is more of a guidance to give us some sort of idea. I, I think if you really pay attention to some of the other things in the market, demand, you pay attention to the, not even look at what the USDA says, and start paying attention to what the sp- the spreads say, right? Don't we have a friend that does that? Everything he talks about is is spread related.
1: No, I think it's basis then spreads then uh, then cash. <laughs> no, then futures.
0: But that's the thing. I mean, like there are other things that you can base. If you didn't, if you had no knowledge of what the USDA was or what Conab was or or anything like that. The market participants would tell you the bias in the market. They may be wrong as far as what the actual final numbers are, but along the way, they're gonna they're gonna tell you the bias in that market. Mm-hmm. When there's when there's no carry in the market, or when there's an inversion in the market, you can bet we're going up. So, I mean, that's just kind of how how it goes. I think there's there's a lot of potential for. Um, not necessarily. Uh, we've talked. I think we've talked about it before. Maybe privatizing the USDA.
1: Yeah, it's never going to happen. But no, you got enough companies out there that put out their own estimates. And I mean, if everyone was completely relying on the USDA, research firms would not have a job. Right. right. So it's it's definitely something to keep in mind. But yeah, I mean, it goes down to what fundamental analysis comes down to, what technical analysis comes down to, and it's all the study of price action, whether it's price action purely on price action or Mm -hmm. if it's price action based on the fundamentals, whatever it is, it all comes back to price because that's 100% what we're doing.
0: Well, you bring up a good point here. And you are, you know, as when I talk about my peers, my friends in in the industry, you are one of those people that i I go to and I talk to a lot about about the charts you study them like crazy you're you know you're seeking higher education uh within the uh within the industry on it what do you what do you say to those people that tell you that well the charts don't matter anymore you know you get a an outside day down or an outside day up and all of a sudden that that doesn't mean anything i mean The charts are giving you ideas of how we respond historically to those types of things. It's not like they don't matter, right? Yeah. When people say that
1: technicals don't work, that is something that is pretty ludicrous because technical analysis is literally just the studying of price action. So if technical analysis doesn't work, that means that price is not a thing mm-hmm. so it's just counterintuitive and to say that technical analysis isn't working there's 20 million different ways to study something from a technical points now whether or not we are hitting resistance and just rifling right through or if we're actually hitting resistance and bouncing off of it i think that's what more so people are saying when technical aren't working but at the same point, really, you should be using those points of reference in order to roll up risk or doing different things. It, it really comes back to what I think a lot of people that originally were technical analysts in this, uh, really our field of agriculture, fail to do is you're supposed to be using technical analysis with a strategy. So to say that there's an outside day higher, outside day lower, okay, what does that mean for your strategy? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think that lost key is, is a lot of people just think that you just follow technicals, and when they tell you to sell, you sell. And But it really comes down to, that's like saying, reading a book. Here, read this book. Okay, I can't actually read Spanish, so it does <laughs> no good for me. <laughs> You have to know what it is that you're using and what what strategies behind it. Because if yeah. you just go into it saying, well, it's an outside day, lower, sell it. Well, that's not really a strategy. That's just something you that's can do. That's a reactionary move. Right. Yeah. So I think that's really what it comes down to when, when it's all said and done. And it's something that we really need to focus in on is having – a distinction of what these things mean and how you're going to follow them and why right. and not just face value
0: okay i mean i mean that's that's a that is a more than fair assessment because i we hear it every day whether it's from customers whether it's from you know other brokers whatever there are plenty of people and and you know i you have the the customers or you have the people that come back and say well everything revolves around fundamentals we all we will we will always go back to trading fundamentals technicals don't work or this that the other thing and it's like you have to you have to give each thing its its credence and formulate like you said a strategy based off of that you know i mean originally a lot of this stuff was built to be a way to protect your prices to hedge mm-hmm. so i mean as bullish as i am and i've talked about this with the customers and i talk about it in my emails every night they're still at some point we're going to say i don't care how bullish the market looks or i'm not i don't care how bullish all of the fundamentals look we need to do something to protect your downside." And there's varying degrees of risk that we can throw that throw at that to to do that. We can still remain bullish, but we can still do the responsible thing as marketers and make sure that we're covering the downside. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah,
1: there's still points, and it goes back to what's your strategy? Are you using seasonals? Are you using technicals? Fundamentals? Mix of the all sentiment what are you doing and how are you following that? And especially in years like this where, I mean, hedging outright like you typically do when you have a less volatile, you have more of a supply-driven market, it's a little bit easier to come in here and say, okay, yes, you need to hedge this level. Yeah. But when you have prices where they're at and how much above insurance prices and everything that we're sitting at, to come in here and say, you need to get short this market, well, it's not exactly what you need to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot, but it all, I think it always comes back to what is your strategy and how is that formulated. Mm-hmm. So a lot of fun stuff, but um yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what kind of outside market discussions we end up having. Yeah, hopefully as it warms up here, I can we can do a call in and someone can help me out with fixing this truck.
0: <laughs> I can get some pointers there. Well, I mean, you know, we have to see what we can do as far as maybe having a whiskey day or a, or a beer uh, once in a while and uh, see where that leads us, what rabbit hole we go down on that one. Yeah, We'll just hop on YouTube and start <laughs> turning on the videos. That's the next thing. I mean, we start recording these things like some of the other podcasts, and things might get a little goofy. <laughs> yeah. So if you guys have any questions,
1: as always, shoot us a call, 800-2-MARKET, that's 800-262-7538. But today for Market Talk with Mike and Greg, this is Mike and Greg signing off to one.